Well, hello, welcome to Prescott Valley Bible Church. Today is Wednesday, Wednesday, May 19th, May 19th. And today we're starting a brand new class, brand new series. It's called Class 301. Now, up to this point, hopefully you have been watching and been a part of Class 101, and then you moved on to 201. And now we're getting into 301. In 301, we're going to talk about knowing your shape. Now, I know, don't let that scare you. But it's, it's about knowing how God has uh, created us, knowing what our gifts are, and that kind of thing. In this series, we're going to take a, something called a gifts assessment. And then we're going to go through together what that means to you and how you're shaped, if you will. I'm gonna get more into that as we talk about this uh, in the series, uh, and I'll introduce that to you today in our message. Before we jump into this, I wanna give you a quick update on the Adopt-A-Chair, Adopt-A-Chair program. This is where we're getting new chairs in the church. Our goal is to, to, uh, to have enough to uh, purchase 75 chairs. And so uh, right now, uh, people in the church have been adopting a chair, a chair. You can adopt a chair for $50. And so um, we're asking for people who are wanting to do that, who uh, to pray about it. And then if they feel led to do that, we're looking for this to be above and beyond your normal giving uh, because uh, we're, we still need to to cover all the other expenses that we have normally, you know. So this is a, an above and beyond special uh, one-time gift kind of thing. Right now, we have just about half of the chairs adopted. So you still have time to do that. And if you're watching from home and you want to uh, or are not coming to church on Sunday morning because you're out of town or you're far away, and you watch our services, you can still participate in this by uh, sending um, your gifts to P.O. Box 26809, Prescott Valley, Arizona, 86312. And uh, just write on your envelope or on the bottom of your gift uh, or something, uh, adopt a chair. And then we'll know where those funds are, are going to doing that. We appreciate your help in this. It's one of these things that uh, we can all participate in together and celebrate together. Like I said, we have just about half of them uh, already adopted. And thank you for that in advance. Uh, for you, some of, some of you can uh, you know, feel comfortable maybe just adopting one chair. And then others... Uh, have the ability to adopt more than one and just seek God for what he would have you do uh, in, this, in this process. Thank you again for doing that. Today, like I said, we're starting this brand new series and the series is called Class 301. It's discovering your spiritual shape. You're, we're going to be uh, talking about um, how God didn't design ministry for just uh, the minister of the church, if you will. 
the, the ministry of the church is not uh, whatever the pastor can do in his waking moments of the day. At Prescott Valley Bible Church, every mem member of the church is important to the body. He calls all of us uh, and he gives us gifts to use uh, in that place in our lives uh, to minister to others. And it's to further the kingdom. So God gifts us for the purpose of furthering the kingdom. This is what class 301 is all about. Um, through the shape process, remember that word shape process, S-H-A-P-E, you'll learn how God can use your spiritual gifts, your heart, your ability, your personality, uh, and experiences to minister to others in need. So if you're a person who is not outgoing, you're probably uh, not wanting to be a greeter at the church. You know what I'm saying? It's just that kind of thing. So God gifts us in different ways. And here's what you should know as we go into this. Uh, no gifts are more important than the others because all work together uh, as one body, right? So whatever you're gifted with, however God has gifted you with, um, it's exactly what you're supposed to have. So here are five basic truths to remember as we start 301 class, five truths. And here's the first one. God gave you a special ability when you started following him. Uh, we call this spiritual gifts. God gives us this gift to build up the church family, to reach out to the world for Christ in love. So that is what we call a spiritual gift. And when you hear me referring to that, that's what I'm talking about. The gifts that God gave you when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior. The second uh, thing to remember is that God gives each of us a unique passion to participate in activities or subjects or circumstances. God uses those things we feel deeply about to show us where we can serve without quickly burning out. So uh, let's just say that is the heart. The first one is your spiritual gift. That's the S for spiritual gift. The second one is H for heart, right? That's what your heart is. That's what you're passionate about. The third thing is that you have an ability uh, given to you before you accepted Christ, and that can, uh, you can use that for God's work. It gives you the ability to help others in ministry, ability. So the first one, spiritual gift, S, spiritual gift. Heart, right? What you're passionate about. And A, ability. So that's the S-H-A part of the word shape. Now this ability is something that you were born with or something that you've developed on your own over the years. Let's just say it this way as an example. My ability is not um, fixing things. 
Maybe computer things and technology, yes. But um, as far as plumbing problems or electricity or building a house or doing uh, anything like that, uh, if you need help with that, um, the heart is there from me to help you, but the ability is not there, so don't ask. <laughs> I might be able to tell you how to do it, but I won't be able to do it. There you go. That's, I guess that's the deal. Uh, something happens between here and here, and I can't get it done. So that's it. That's just it. Here's the fourth thing. Um, God can use your personality. God can use all of us, whether we're extroverts or introverts. We enjoy routine or variety, whatever that is. And that's P for personality. That's the P part of the word shape. You can use your personality in ministry. Some people are so outgoing, they talk to anybody on the street. And other people just want to hide when that happens. It's just different personalities. And then finally, God can place a multitude of experiences in your life to help mold you for ministry. God can use many of our experiences in our, in our background to help heal hurts in our church and in our community. Look, for, for the most part, I can help try to help people who are battling different things. Say somebody um, battles with drugs. I have never uh, battled with drugs. So I can give you my advice on what the Bible says, and I can tell you those things um, from, let's just say from the outside looking in. But now there can be someone else who comes along who battled drugs, who God has delivered, and that person can minister to you better than someone who hasn't. And that's just the way it is. And it's, it's based on your experience. The E is for experience. And so, so we see this, what all makes up our spiritual shape, our physical shape, is all made up of spiritual gifts, heart, ability, personality, and experience. Well, as we begin this class today, it's important to know that the effort you put into this class will determine what you take out of it. So before we go in and outline what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks, um, let's pray. Well, dear Lord, as we come together this morning, we just pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would help us to discover our uh, shape, our spiritual gifts, uh, how we can use our, our experiences and our abilities and our personality to further your kingdom. And so, Lord, as we, as we hear the message uh, tonight, we pray, Father, that you would um, guide us through this, prepare us for the next class to come, prepare our hearts for Sunday morning service, and, Lord, just speak to us as we need to hear from you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Let's begin now by talking about section one, spiritual gifts. Now in this section, we're gonna define what a spiritual gift is. We're gonna understand the gifts we will be focusing on today. Um, we've got something called a spiritual gifts assessment that's going to be coming over the next week. And then we're gonna review the assessment. Now, through these things, this is going to take probably two to three weeks to do this. But listen, if you do this and you put your heart into it, I want you to know that it will reveal to you many things you may have been asking about in your life. Uh, if you allow it uh, to, to sink in, allow it to take from it, okay? Now, the first step in our, in our process of discovering our spiritual gifts is by carefully reading four New Testament passages which describe spiritual gifts. Now, as we read each passage, you will be asked to respond to several questions. So uh, get yourself a notebook, get something out, and uh, be ready uh, and write down on the notebook the passages we're looking at and then be prepared to answer the questions. Now, here's what I want you to know. This message is online, so you don't have to write down what I say word for word. Uh, you can just go back and go through it again. So, uh, you know, write down the verses uh, and then answer questions and then go back and, and just review it again. I'm going to give you a, a minute to do that. I'm going to give you a time to do that. And while you're getting your notebook, getting your pen together, uh, we're going to listen to a song. And then uh, when we come back, we'll get started. Okay? So uh, thanks for being with us. Listen to this. And then uh, while that's happening, grab a pen, grab a notebook, and get ready. I lost my keys in the great unknown And call me please, cause I can't find my phone This is the stuff that drives me crazy
visited the Christian community in Rome, he felt that it was, imp it was important to write uh, a pastoral letter to the congregation there. And the result the resulting correspondence um, is the New Testament book of Romans. And it, it, it challenges uh, people with instructions for Christian walk, for their Christian walk, because they he wishes they understood and grew in their relationship with God through Christ Jesus. So he's writing this because he wants them to grow in their faith. He wants them to grow in their walk, their spiritual walk. So the first passage in our study is from this book, Romans 12, 1 through 3. So let's look at what it says in uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When you read that, in practical terms, what does it mean to present your body as a living sacrifice? Think about that for a minute. Minute. What does that mean? In verse 2, we read, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that you may prove what is God's will or what the will of God, what, what is the will of God, right? So I, I want you to take that verse for a minute, verse two, and I want you to just restate that. What does it say in your own words? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be, prove what is the will of God. Restate that in your own mind. Write it down. Write what that means to you. I'll give you a minute there. Now look at verses 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. Stop there. So think about that for a minute. Paul encourages his readers to use sound judgment, not to think highly of themselves. Paul, Paul also uses a particular image of the church um, to describe the relationship to all Christians. What image does Paul describe the nature of the church? What does he say is the nature of the church? Now you can go back and look at that and write down what that is. It's in verse, comes again in verse 3 and 4. Now go over to verses 6 through 13. Romans 6 through 13. Here's what it says. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophecy, then prophecy in the accordance to your faith, then prophesy according to your faith, sorry. Uh, if it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Those are the, that, that's up to verse eight. Now let's continue, because uh, we're gonna go all the way through verse 13. Now, here's what it says in verse nine. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, in excitement, but keep your spiritual fervor 
serving the Lord. We'll talk about that. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And then it says this in verse 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Which spiritual gifts are listed in these verses? In those six, seven verses there, um, what spiritual gifts are listed in these? Take a minute and look at that and write those down. Now, after reading the entire passage, what's your assessment of the relationship between understanding the will of God and using your spiritual gifts? Answer that question. What is the relationship between understanding the will of God and using your spiritual gifts? Now, in general, just overall, what have you learned about spiritual gifts based on this passage? Just make a little note, write it down. In fact, I'm, I'm pausing, but I'm thinking maybe what you want to do is if you're watching this, pause, write what you want down, and then start me back up talking. Because that might be the easiest way for you to do that. You won't feel rushed. Look at what it says in Romans 12. Verses 1 through 13, as we read it all together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many, who are many forms form one body, and each belong to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us, if a man is gifted in prophecy, let him, in, let him use it in proportion to his faith. It, if it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. 
If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him lead or let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And then is the section that comes next to the end about love. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourself, never be lacking in zeal, don't lose your enthusiasm, keep your spiritual fervor, be on fire for serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And then it finishes this way. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Let's talk about the answers to the questions in this section. What did you say in those in that uh, that first part? from verses one to three. Think about that for a minute. If you are watching this, if you're doing this with your spouse or someone else or a small group, you should stop me right at the moment and talk about this. What did that say to you? What did that verses one and two say to you? And then go into verses three and four. What was the image that Paul describes the relationship between the church and uh, our giftedness or our, uh, yeah. And then in verses six through 13, what did you get from that whole passage? What does it show you about that? Now, the next thing that happens here is that we're going to move to a different um, scripture. It's, it's advice to those who were battling in Corinth. And it comes to us from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 31. So I hope you have your, I'm sure you must have your Bibles with you, but um, Here's a little background on what's going on before we jump into this. The first century um, city of Corinth was, was a major Roman seaport. It was a busy, it was a busy town. It was filled with merchants, traders, and sailors. I mean, the town was also um, a center for pagan worship. People worship all kinds of gods and all this. They had temples dedicated to uh, uh, the goddess of sex, where people went to this temple and had sex. I'm telling you. Um, they had prostitutes there. They had all of that stuff going on, and they were doing all these ungodly things and calling it uh, a form of worship. Um, 
local craftsmen there also produced like idols of different types associated with the worshiping of whatever the thing was that they were worshiping. Now, um, into this heathen city came Paul preaching the gospel. Several Gentiles in the city responded to his message and became Christians. Several of them did. Uh, a new church was established. And after working to establish a solid faith foundation for these former pagans, Paul moved on um, to another city. So he would come in, lead people to Christ. They'd start the church. He'd lay the foundation. And then he would move on to the next place. Now, from time to time, Paul heard disturbing reports about the church in Corinth. Um, most Bible scholars believe that their letter we are calling 1 Corinthians was written in response to one of these reports that came to him. Paul spoke these words of advice and correction to address a number of important issues they faced as a congregation. So as we look at this, we have to take this as Paul uh, giving advice to the church there and to the people who went there. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul attempts to address the inappropriate display and the um, what it caused, what they did and the effects of it. But rather than focusing on exclusively on the misuse of the uh, uh, of things that were happening, unknown tongues was the thing that he talked about. Paul provided uh, the longest, most complete teaching on the topic of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. It is all about spiritual gifts. So let's read verses 1 through 31 and answer the following questions. Let's read the whole thing first, okay? Um, I'm going to take a breath because it's a mouthful. Uh, verse 1. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or or other, you were influenced and led astray by uh, astray to mute idols. There, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There is a different kind of gift, but the same spirit. So there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of work, but the same God works all of them in all men. You get what they're saying? There are different things, but God is God, right? Now, to each one, 
the manifestation of the Spirit is given for a common good. Verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another a gift of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers to another, prophecy to another, distinguishing between spirit, to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another, the interpreting of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. He gives them to each one, just as he determines. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and all, all its parts are many. They form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into the body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong in the body, it would not be for, for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But if in fact God has arranged the parts in the, many, in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Are you getting this? Verse 21. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts of that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Verse 24. While our presentable parts need, to, need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body have given greater honor to the parts that lack it. 
so that there should be no division in the body. There should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And then it kind of comes to this conclusion part. Now, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, and also those who have gift of healing, those of the ability to help others, those who are gifted in administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I will show you the most excellent way. Now answer the questions in this section and we're going to go through this. Uh, are you ready? Here we go. Why are spiritual gifts given? Go over to verses 4 through 7 because that's where the answer is. Why are spiritual gifts given? Write that down. And in verse 7, it tells us who receives spiritual gifts. Here's a hint on that one. Each one of us. There's not one person who doesn't receive spiritual gifts. In verse 11, it talks about this. Here's the question. What is the source of all spiritual gifts? What's the source? It tells you about six or seven times. It's the Holy Spirit, right? Okay. Now, what image of the church is used in this passage? And it's referred specifically to in verses 13 through 26. Um, in light of the controversy in the current church, um, what is the significance of each of the images that they talk about? What's important to know about that? Now, what spiritual gifts, which spiritual gifts are identified in that passage? 
what are the spiritual gifts they talk about? How does this teaching about spiritual gifts in chapter 12 relate to the famous love chapter in verse 13, in chapter 13? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, there's a love chapter which follows this one um, that we just looked at. Um, go and look at that and, and answer that question um, after we're done here. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. How does this all spiritual giftedness have to do with that? Okay, how are you guys doing? Are you doing okay? Let's look at the next um, set of verses. It comes to an, comes to us in Ephesians chapter four, verses one through fifteen. Now let me give you a little bit of back, a background on this. In his teachings about spiritual gifts in the book of Romans, Paul gave individual Christians advice about how to discover the will of God. In that book, he encouraged the readers to present his or her entire life as a living sacrifice. He urged the readers to avoid a life based on the principles of the world because we know what happens when you do that, right? Rather, he, he counseled the individuals to come to a new understanding of God's principles. He wanted them to understand God's principles and how they can be played out in this world. How can God's principles play out in this world? And he wants to show them this. Now, in his letter to the Ephesians, Paul shifts his attention from the, co the, the, the commitment of an individual Christian to the life of the church to a, to a unique community established by God through the work of Jesus Christ. While Romans 12 focuses on individual giftedness, Ephesians chapter 4 focuses on the church and giftedness. You get that? One is individuals. Now this section is about the church and its giftedness. Now I'm going to ask you a series of a few questions about this, but let's first look at Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 15. Why don't you turn over there? And I'll give you a second. It's, it's titled The Unity in the Body of Christ. Unity in the Body of Christ. Ready? As a pr prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. 
There's one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith. And then what does that say next? One baptism. One God and Father of all. Who is over all, through all, and in all. Verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ appointed it. This is why it says, when he, ex when he ascended on high, he led, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to them. Or to men, gave gifts to men. Or us, right? Um, nine. What has he ascended? What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lowers of the earthly region. He who descended is in the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of fullness of Christ. Hey, you know, our church is known, uh, here's what we say. We are a church family building a bridge to wholeness or fullness in Christ, right? Wholeness is about being, growing to the fullness of Christ. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. Okay, that concludes Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 15. Now, here comes some questions. Keep your Bible open so you can look up the answers if you need to. According to verses 1 and 2, describe the calling to which we have been called. It talks about it in verses 1 and 2. In verses 3 through 6, how is the theme of unity described? How do they describe that? Oh, by the way, in verse 7, it talks about this. Here's the question. Who receives a spiritual gift?
Which spiritual gifts are listed in this passage in verse 11? Because it gives you some. Now move to verse 12. Here's the question. Why are spiritual gifts given? What image of the church is used in this passage? And what does this image of the church have to do with the idea of Christian bodybuilding? So, like I said, we have read these three verses. Now we're going to go to the last one, and then we're probably going to end our time together because um, I want you to go back and think about this. I want you to add to what you've written, if you've written anything. If you haven't, I want to encourage you to do this. Because as in the last series, we were talking about growing in maturity. This is exactly how we break things apart to understand what God is calling us to be. He's wanting to show us our spiritual shape. The next series of verses come to us in 1 Peter chapter 4. And we're just going to look at verses 7 through 14. 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 14. Now, here's what's happening. Here's the background on this section. While Paul often wrote specifically to churches, um, which he had been associated with, this writing from Peter was probably circulated among a number of churches in the area that reached out to the different areas. Um, it's also believed that the letter was written in response to a, to a local or regional persecution of Christians, because this was what was going on. They were being persecuted. So, as a respected leader of the church in Jerusalem, a letter under the signature of Peter would have carried much weight for these people who are being persecuted as Christians. They would have been comforted and challenged by the words of advice that Peter had to give them. So, one passage about spiritual gifts was written to settle a church fight. Can you believe churches fighting about what the church believes? I can't imagine that. I know we don't do that here. Well, anyway, a, a second was written as, a, as a words of advice in the, first of, in the face of persecution, because that's what was happening. It's also important to note that there are two of the major leaders in the New Testament church wrote about spiritual gifts. Paul, um, writing to three separate and prominent congregations 
and Peter writing a general church-wide letter that gets circulated among, among them all. These key leaders felt that an understanding of giftedness was important to discover the will of God, um, to settle church controversy, and to describe the church, how the church should function and provide stability in the face of persecution. So how do you do that? How should the church operate and how should it be stable? How should the church provide stability even in those moments when it's being persecuted? As important as giftedness was to those first century Christians, it's equally important for us today because you know that the church of today is under severe attack. Christianity is under attack. We know that, right? Even if we don't want to admit it, and even if you're not a Christian, you go, oh, no, it's not. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, no, it's not. Well, you know how that goes, right? Oh, yes, it is. So I want us to read verses 7 through 14 and then come back and ask some questions that I want you to answer. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 14. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength of God, that strength God provides, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now, in verse 12, it goes to this. It talks about this suffering for being a Christian. Here's what it talks about. Dear friends, do not be surprised at painful trials you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you are participating in the suffering of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Here are some questions I want to ask you about those seven verses we just read in 1 Peter chapter 4. Describe the overall tone of the passage. 
just kind of describe that. When you read that and you think about that, write down how do you think the tone of this, what, 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 what's being said here kind of. You know what I mean by that. In verse 10, it talks about something. I know I haven't asked you this question yet, but uh, who receives spiritual gifts? Now in verse 11, it says, which spiritual gifts are, are identified um, in these passages? In verse 11, uh, what, what gifts are, are shown there, spiritual gifts? Oh, here's a good question. It's in verse 11 too. Why are spiritual gifts given? Now I want you to go back, you know, and look at every place I've asked you those questions in the different books of the Bible and see how your answers are compared to what the Bible says they are. Now, based on this passage, what have you learned about spiritual gifts? What have you learned about that? Now, I'm going to take a, a, a I'm going to take a, 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 about five minutes more and talk about here's what the results of your study will show you. And so here's a, here's a question. What common theme, image, and word did you find in all four passages? In all four of those things, what were some of the common themes, common images, and words that you found in every one of those different passages, books that we looked at. Then I want you to do this now. I want you to list all of the spiritual gifts that you discovered in the four New Testament passages. Depending on the versions of the Bible that you used, you should find around 22 gifts. So if you haven't found those, go back and search them out because there's about 22 gifts listed there. Now, incorporating everything that you have learned about spiritual gifts, write yourself a definition of what a spiritual gift is. Write that down. Now think about that. You don't have to do it right at this minute. But based on your current understanding of giftedness, respond to the following statements. And when we get through this, this is how we're ending today. So these are kind of like homework for the rest of the week. Um, and, and so uh, bear with me. So what's the difference between talents and spiritual gifts? Are the two related, and if so, how? Did you get that question? What is the difference between talents and spiritual gifts, and how are they related? And if so, they are, if they are related, how are they related? And here's the second question. Is it possible for a Christian to deny the fact that he or she has at least one spiritual gift. 
why or why not? Well, yes, it is, and here's why. Or no, it isn't, here's why. That's what we're looking for. And then, is this statement consistent with your understanding of spiritual giftedness? What you said, is it, is it, and here's, here is the statement. If spiritual gifted, if spiritual gifts are of the body, not personal, though these gifts, the church and the local congregations are equipping for the function as worshiping, discipling, community building, witnessing, serving, and ministry of the family of God. What are spiritual gifts? What are spiritual gifts? Here's a definition that I want to put in front of you. Now, you might want to stop this if you haven't written your own definition of spiritual gifts. And then listen to what I say afterwards. Mine is not perfectly right. Mine is just a, um, an idea. Uh, well, it's a biblical idea of what spiritual giftedness is. A spiritual gift is an ability given through the activity of the Holy Spirit. Working in the life of each individual Christian. Collectively. The spiritual gifts possessed by the believer enables the church as a body of Christ to perform the mission and ministry to which it has been called by God. How does that work compared to what you wrote down? How important is it for people to use their spiritual gifts in the church as the body of Christ. How important is it? It enables that church as the body of Christ to perform the mission and the ministry to which it has been called by God. What would happen if someone who was gifted sat back and didn't use their gifts and someone who was not as gifted had to step in and do what the person who was brought there by God was intended to do? Well, let's put it this way. How would you feel if I sang, uh, if I led worship every week? I'll tell you, you wouldn't come back because that's not my giftedness. I, I, God has gifted me enough to play the bass guitar and uh, I enjoy that. I'm passionate about that and, and those things. But you know, here's the deal you should know that uh, if someone is watching and you're a part of the church, and you're a bass player, come on, baby, get a hold of Robin and talk to him because the reality of the matter is, although I can play the bass 
and I'm okay at it. I'm there to preach the message. If you're a technical person, if God gave you this talent for technical stuff, step up because I'm a technical person, but that's not my function in the church. It is right now because someone is not stepping up. You get what I'm saying, right? So uh, whatever it is our giftedness is, if we're not using it in the church, if we're not using it in the kingdom, if we're not using it in our lives, we're hurting the body of Christ. You get that. Hey, uh, first of all, congratulations because you made it through this class today. If you're still listening, if you're still watching, we went pretty deep. I asked you to do a bunch of stuff and you probably are gonna go back, or I hope that you do, go back and do some of this stuff because what you're going to learn in this series is going to take you deeper in knowing yourself and knowing God's will for your life. Friends, nothing happens through osmosis. You have to put into work to get the results you're looking for. I hope you make a decision to do that. Next week, listen to this. We're going to talk about discovering your spiritual giftedness. And here's what I want you to do. Next Wednesday, I want you to have a notebook out and I want you to number a sheet of paper one to a hundred. Do all of that before you come together with me. One to a hundred. And I'm going to ask you a series of questions and then I'm going to give you um, one to five to write that number in next to that question. So I think that makes sense. So you do that before we get back together. And then I'm going to rip off to you a hundred questions. And we're going to see how your shape is made up. We're going to discover your spiritual gifts. We're going to take an inventory based on your personal assessment of your life. It's pretty fun. It really is. So don't freak out about it uh, because I call it a, a gifts assessment. Let's call it an assessment, not a test, because it's not really a test. It's, a, it's an assessment. And we're going to talk about that next week. So don't miss that. You'll want to be a part of that. Let's pray before we close our time together. Dear Lord, thank you, Father, for this day. We ask that you guide us, you direct us. Father, help us, Lord, as we've gone through this study tonight to go back and listen and, and think more about the questions that have been asked because that will help us to grow in the knowledge of you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Love you guys. Talk to you soon.